Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's living legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway. Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Our guest this week has had a bird's eye view into the creation of such hit shows as George M., No No Nanette, and Starting Here, Starting Now, as well as some lesser-known musicals like So Long 174th Street and Diamonds. But she is best known for her collaborations with Angeloid Webber, starring in the Los Angeles and Broadway productions of Evita, as well as what many consider to be the definitive Grisabella in Cats. To tell us what it was like to dance with Nureyev, clown with Bobby Van, and tackle Hal Prince, literally... Here, taking a break from doing the Sunday Times crossword puzzle, is Lonnie Ackerman. Hi. 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 How are you? I tackled Hal Prince physically. (laughs) The final audition for Evita in L.A. was at the Schubert Theater, and it was like, I don't know, 9 o'clock in the morning. And I'd already had two auditions. Uh Yeah. And uh, so I put on the chignon and the red lips and and went in and there was a whole huge line of people i mean people who called back like john shuck um who else was there pam dauber was there you know mindy morgan mindy and i was just like tunnel vision Mm -hmm. i just thought okay i i just have to be this woman for 10 minutes yeah so i go in and he's he's very soft-spoken and he says um well let's do don't cry for me, Argentina. And you're on the stage. I'm on the like, stage. Like literally on stage. I'm literally mm-hmm. on stage in my little outfit and my Ava outfit. <laughs> and um, and so I do Argentina. And then he calls me to the foot of the of the stage on the side. And very softly he says, uh, um, "Okay, um, well, let's um, let's do this." And I thought, fine. He wants me to sing the song again. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like turn on my heel and I start to walk away. And he, he said all right, well, I guess I'll see you in rehearsal. <laughs> and from being very stoic and cold, I went, <laughs> and I jumped off the stage into his arms. I almost knocked him down. We both almost fell on our heads. Oh, I just, yeah, he, was, he saw this thing coming at him. I just ran and jumped, literally jumped off the stage. Just attacked him. Just attacked him. <laughs> that whole experience, that company, was breathtaking. Where were you in Los Angeles? What theater were you the at? The Schubert. You were at the Schubert, which is no longer there. No, right? they tore that down. it's gone. Yeah. Going. I did every talk show 
that I'd ever dreamed of doing. Mike Douglas, Dinah, yeah. um, who else oh, was what, it? What were they like? They, they were so kind. They were the greatest. Dinah was, I did her show three times and actually cooked on the show. Oh, what did oh, you yeah. make? Do you what I you made, made? Yes, I made piroshki. <laughs> Russian <laughs> meat pies, you know, Jewish meat pies. Yeah, and Dinah was Jewish. Well, this, this show, yeah, this yeah. particular show, it was Charles Nelson Riley oh. and Shelley Winters were the guests. Oh so I'm, I swear to God, so I'm, you know, they have like a little stove set up and I have it on tape and I'm mixing the filling and, you know, all of a sudden this hand with a spoon comes over my head and starts scooping out the filling and then it's disappearing and I hear <laughs> chomping behind my ear and I look around and it's Shelley Winters who's like taking the filling and eating it on oh, camera, yeah. on, on camera. camera. <laughs> did you do Merv Griffin as well? Oh, I did Merv Griffin. Oh, oh my God. I did, one time um, I did the Merv Griffin and he wasn't there, it was um, Bobby Vinton. And of course he introduces me as Lonnie Anderson. And I walked out and he goes, you're not Lonnie Anderson. Really? Yeah. yeah. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> so Merv, he, I did his show several times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. here, um, I think I did it two or three times here. I did it a couple of times out there. I did Regis. Um, mm -hmm. But those were, you know, you grow up kind of watching these talk shows. Yeah. Did you grow up in New York? Yeah, I'm what? from the, um, 79th Street between Columbus and Amsterdam. And your parents were supportive of you going into the business? I don't think they had a choice. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Great. There was no, I knew when I saw them crack up in, you know, um, oh, I didn't tell you that. Well, the first show I saw was Mr. Wonderful. Yes. And I saw Cheetah and yeah. um, Jack Carter and Sammy Davis Jr. And I've told Cheetah this. I, I saw them crack up on stage and I thought I was six or seven. I said, that's for me. I was sent to ballet school because I was chubby, and um, I just got sidetracked into ballet. I, all I wanted to be was in the Royal Ballet, and that's, that was my Nuria experience. Oh my, oh, my God. I stole one of his socks. <laughs> you stole a sock? His warm-up sock. He was, this is all in my act. I like he, was, <laughs> he, he was practicing. He was practicing a variation from either Swan Lake or Corsair or something. And I was a student at the Metropolitan Opera Ballet School. And that's why we were all in the ballet. Oh, we yes. used to super. I supered in Lohengrin. And oh, um, there was a metal ladder. And his socks, his warm-up socks, were hanging on the ladder. And I know he saw me out of the corner of his eye. And I ran and I took one. That was 1963. I still have that sock. And it's I hope still it's over your mantle. Yeah. Somewhere. Oh it's no, it's <laughs> under my pillow. <laughs> How did you first get associated with Richard Maltby? The first show I ever did was "How Do You Do I Love You." It was about a secretary, Phyllis Newman, yep. trying to find a husband, and it was very sixties. Yeah. Back then, choreographers would come to class to look for dancers. And, uh, I mean, there would be people like David Winters, a lot of the guys from West Side Story who became choreographers. This was like 1966, 67. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had already become choreographers, mm -hmm. but they would come to these classes, um, like Jamie Rogers, Jaime Rogers. So um, Tony Mordente, who had been married to Cheetah Rivera, mm -hmm. he came to class, and he was looking for some young dancers and he said, I didn't have an equity card or anything. And he said, well, just come to this, um, you know, audition. So I, you know, I, my 95 pounds, long black hair. And um, 
little ballerina. So I go to yeah. the audition, and I dance, and it's Richard and David are sitting there, and Arthur Rubinstein, who was the conductor, mm -hmm. Jonathan Tunick, uh, Larry Rosenthal. Oh, yeah. yeah, all these oh, guys. Wow. Oh, it was amazing. Stone Whitney was mm -hmm. the director. And so I get through the dance, it's fine. And then they said, well, you know, would you sing? And of course, what do I sing? rock a your baby with the Dixie Melody. <laughs> I had no music. I, sa I said, um, just, it goes ra-da-da-da-da-da. And that was like a B flat. So Phyllis Grandy or Sandy Campbell, they were playing. And they just, their mouths, they didn't expect that out of me. They expected I enjoy being a girl right. or, sure, sure. or I feel pretty. Yes, of course. And this huge voice comes out because all the records I'd sung with were like Merman and yeah. um, uh, Sammy Davis is a coconut grove. You know, yeah, I mean, so I knew. You knew how to project. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you learn from the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, they, there was a song uh, in the show called Zeroing In On You. And at some point, there were jungle noises. And so Arthur said to me, he took me over to the piano. I guess he wanted to see what my range was. Mm -hmm. And he said, can you, like, make funny jungle noises? And yes, I can. Yeah. I, if I can remember, I'll go, ah, ah, you know, ah, ah. don't ask me why. Those I knew good. That was pretty good. So Michael Stewart was, oh. he was the book writer. Book writer yeah. And he was in the process of writing the show called George M., he had all the girls come to audition. Now, I'm a ballet dancer. I'm a jazz dancer. I am not a tap dancer. Mm -hmm. I am probably one of the worst tappers ever. <laughs> and it was a tap show. So everybody was trying to teach me. Luigi was trying to teach me. My mother was trying to teach me. And it was just, there was no hope. So I went to the open, uh, the open call, and um, uh, I... From the waist up, I was just brilliant. Didn't wear tap shoes. Um, I wore white jazz shoes. And I remember just, you know, just kind of faking it. Yeah. And so Joe Layton lined up all the bad tappers. I mean, I knew what was happening. And I w I'm telling you, I was on the end. I was the last one. And he's, he knew a lot of the dancers. And he had a couple of them stay. And now he's getting to me. And I figured, all right, it's over. But at least I tried. And I saw, this is out of a movie, Michael Stewart in the back, I think it was the Mark Hellinger, run over to Joe Layton and whisper something in his ear. And the next thing I knew, he said, Lonnie, you stay. He had us in groups. And he said, Does, do any of you play an instrument? And a couple of girls raised their hand. One played the drums, one played Rachmaninoff, and I raised my hand. And he said, what do you play? And I said, I play piano. He said, what? I said, ragtime. Amazing. Stride piano. Oh. Stride piano. Amazing. <laughs> Stride. He said, he said, why am I? Exactly. Yeah. He said, why am I not surprised? <laughs> and Jay Blackton, who was the conductor, he came over and he said, oh, so I played, it's either Kitten on the Keys or Dizzy Fingers. Nice. And because and, um, when I played, it usually sounds like Darlene and Jonathan Edwards. It's just so <laughs> terrible. Um, so he said, okay, can you play Alexander's Ragtime Band? And I said, well, you've got to throw me the chords. And he said, okay. So he's throwing me the chords. And my right hand, something took over my right hand because I never played it like that again. Mm. I mean, there were chords and things mm -hmm. and runs. And I'm like, this is really weird. And the next thing I knew, I was a dog trainer and um, uh, second piano player. The first one was Scott Salmon. Mm. 
then when we were in rehearsal, there we had all the girls had to audition for the maid to sing 45 minutes from Broadway. Oh. So there was a line in the middle of the song, and I'm the youngest there, and uh, the line was, Faye Templeton says, you know, Rose, stop singing that song. And the maid, Rose, says, in a minute, honey. So all the girls were going, in a minute, honey, in a minute, honey. <laughs> now, of course, one of my favorite singers was always Satchmo. So I go, I have nothing to lose. I go, in a minute, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they all looked at me. You know, when you have nothing to lose and you don't know anything, go so for you it. You a choice and you go with I that. made a choice. And, and you got it. I got yeah. it. I got it. What was it like working with Joe Lane? Oh, he what was made the him best. So he was so ahead of his time. Mm. There was a thing called a montage where we did all the famous songs, which replaced um, this, this, it wasn't a dream ballet, but it was a ballet that took place, it covered the, the First World War mm -hmm. and to the time that he comes back. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. And it was just brilliant. Yeah. And, um, you know, we became a, a a war machine we were there was like you know the stock market crash it was all in this very modern well, ahead of its time ballet and we got to Detroit and people in the audience just went and of course it was replaced by you know Yankee Doodle Dandy and your classic sure. but he was he was really good to me he he just I think he kind of got a kick out of the fact that I was such an old young person because yes. all my physical comedy was from all, I grew up watching Olsen and Johnson. And now your mom was a producer as well as Well, she, <laughs> as well as my mom. At one point she was working very closely with Joe Papp. And um, I remember this one day, they, he wanted to do a version of Hamlet at, I think it was Rikers Island. And it was a prison oh. that was no longer used. Yeah. And he, she went with him to Rikers, and she said she went through all the, just walking through all the old empty cells and stuff, and he said to her, you know, you really should do this on your own. You, you could be a producer. And so that led her to think, well, maybe to do, it's almost like an encores, mm -hmm. um, to do a repertory company of older musicals, forgotten yeah. musicals, yeah. but to do them full out, yeah. to do a few a year. Yeah. And then she was introduced to Buster Davis and Raoul Penn Dubois and Harry Rigby and Raoul, um, who had designed Gypsy and, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, he was just a genius. Um, it was either he or Buster who had said, well, you know, no, no, Nanette, it could work on its own. Buster Davis and I did all these backers auditions and nobody, nobody put in a penny. I was doing Dames at Sea. Oh, yes. I was playing Ruby. They were trying to find someone to play Sue. So I come home from the show one day, one night, or one afternoon, and they're like banging their heads because they had already had Busby Berkeley in mind. Um, oh, well, that was like, you know, if you could wake him up. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. So I walk in and, and I say hi, and I hear them talking, and I said, well, is Ruby Keeler still alive? And they all go, uh, and that's how they thought of Ruby. The first matinee in Boston, the audience rushed the stage 
They ran down to the orchestra pit screaming. And then the phone call started coming in. Can we invest? Can we invest? And my mother brought the show in under budget. She was not well received because this woman comes out yeah, of nowhere, yeah. you know, um, rich Upper East Side housewife, which she wasn't. She ran the American Symphony for yeah. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, was, um, it wasn't a great time. I mean, the only time I had fun was those eight lines yeah. singing, yeah. I, you know, um, but the rest of it was pretty nasty. Yeah. Probably I should have never done the show. Did personally. you feel like people gave, thought it was nepotism? Oh, that yeah. And, but the only time I showed them that it wasn't was when I was on stage. Of course. And it was, uh, it was tough. Yeah. Uh, it kind of it did toughen me up. Um, was, the, was it the cast? It was, was a, a was lot of the cast. You? A lot of them. A lot of them weren't. Um, there were just, I don't even remember. I think most of the half of them are dead. But Helen Gallagher oh. was kind of like my surrogate mother. Oh, she Helen is my Gallagher. surrogate mother. And, and Bobby Van, they were, they were my closest friends. Can we talk about Bobby Van oh. for a second? Who was brilliant, left us way too soon. Way too soon. Brilliant. was horrible. T- tell us what it was like working. Oh, my with God. Bobby there Van. wasn't a night that I wasn't like wetting my pants because he was (laughs) nobody was as funny as Bobby and he taught me more about comedy Bobby kept saying just trust what you're doing just go and trust it I mean opening night of Evita in LA he calls me and he says I don't care if you throw up before six o'clock I don't care if you throw up after the show eight o'clock to 10 30 you just stay in that show Evita And he said, I don't care what you do before or after, but once that curtain goes up, that's where you are. And I went, okay. And I thought about that when the curtain went up. I went, oh, my God, what am I doing here? And then I thought about Bobby saying, just be there. But we had two moments that actually Bert Sheveloff, the director, had to cut back because we were stopping the show. (laughs) Too funny. Oh, it was was just two stares. We would stare at each other. And he would, um, he kept saying to me, just hold it. Don't move just hold it and it got bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> until we would get applause on just two little movements and Bert of course came in and he said this is not you know Othello you need to stop this <laughs> so we cut them back and then we'd like let it creep in again but he was hilarious he was so hilarious yeah he was a great guy yeah. Jack Guilford he said to me one time I don't know I was in Bobby's dressing room and um it was one of those days where you just feel like really bloated. I think mm-hmm. I was retaining a little bit of fluid <laughs> and a little water. And he, Jack heard me and he comes down and he said, haven't you ever heard of peeing? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank he you, was, Dr. Guilford. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Guilford. He was really, he was really funny. Patsy Kelly. She never overdid any comedy. Some of the other women who played the maid, um, they just went so far like Martha Ray used to, you know, turn her back to the audience and pull her dress up, and she had big polka dot, you know, pantaloons oh, on. Very broad. Very broad. Patsy was, she just stayed within the limits. But that was also Bert Sheveloff's direction. Mm. He said, you can never comment on this. This is camp. And if you comment on camp, if you don't play this straight and modern, it's not going to work. Yeah. Did you, I'm just, I'm just curious, there was a whole book about oh yeah i skimmed it it was i i i told my mother um the guy who wrote it uh don Don dunn he was the assistant um 
the, the assistant to the pub, publicity person, her, her name was, I don't know, CJ, JC, something like that. Yeah. This was her boyfriend. And back then, um, reporters carried big, you know, tape recorders, yeah. you know, and shoulder straps. Yeah. And I remember they, my mother didn't have an office yet, so all the meetings took place in the living room. Mm -hmm. And he, for some reason, he was allowed to sit in. Because it was a very, it was kind of, it started out with a great feeling. Sure. And he would sit in, and he must have seen that this was going to be something. And he would come in, and he had that tape recorder, but nobody knew it was running. And um, I suppose I was named as some kind of spy, which was, I, I didn't talk to anybody yeah. because it was so horrific. I was really naive about mm. it. I thought, this is idiotic. Mm. I mean, what? You, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it wasn't. And that book, actually, Ruby was really devastated because they went after her and her past. And I remember my mother saying to her, do not give this book any power. Just, she wanted to sue and everything. She said, let it go. Mm -hmm. You know, just because um, they said horrible things about my mother, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, she just brought the show in under budget, you know, and... and um, kept a very uh, firm hand on what was being spent. And, I mean, she bought everybody tickets to the Tonys. Yeah. I mean, everybody went. Stagehands, everyone went. You know, yeah. So, but she's tough. Mm -hmm. She's a, a very, um, she's a businesswoman. Okay. <laughs> so you do Nanette. I do Nanette. Did you go on tour with it? Uh, to... I did the bus and truck. You did a bus and I truck. I played Lucille. I did That's it. It was what, like two years two years later. And when I teach, I tell the kids, I said, if you can find a bus and truck, this is how you learn. Yeah. Did Ruby Keeler and Patsy Kelly go with you on tour? Oh no, or? I did the tour with um, Evelyn Keys. Evelyn Keys. Evelyn Keys. Uh, Benny Baker, and um, oh uh, Betty Keen, who was Jane Keen's sister. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. fun. That was. That was really crazy. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine those people on a bus? Yeah, no, exactly. I can't. Oh, my God. I mean, sometimes we would drive through the night, yeah. you know, and um, it was raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> it got really oh, raunchy. raunchy yeah. but, oh, yeah, so but it was so good. much fun. I mean, one there was one, Gainesville, Florida, uh -huh. which is, I don't think, the most Democratic town yeah. um we were in a high school and they put together in the cafeteria this is where we did the show oh on tables they put oh tables gosh, together no yeah i mean there were it, it was it was hilarious oh, but it was great <laughs> yeah. oh yeah no we nine months yeah. eight or nine months um but it was a great experience and then i got home and i get a call from john kenley he was very famous, had this huge summer circuit in Ohio, and the Kenley players. And um, he died a few years ago. I think he was like 103. Yeah, he had a nice long He was life. a hermaphrodite. You know, in the, in the summer, he was John, and in the winter in Florida, he was a woman. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I get this call. I just, I'm unpacking my bags. And he said, is, is this Lonnie Ackerman? And I said, yes. He said, this is John Kenley. And I said, oh, hi. He said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I just got back from the bus and truck. I know. Can you come? We need you to replace Vicki Lawrence in Nanette. 
and because I figured she was pregnant, mm. and oh, I yeah. think she was not feeling well. And it was Gail Gordon, Virginia Mayo, and Kathleen Freeman. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, when? Today. <laughs> I repacked the bag and flew to Ohio, and I don't remember how many weeks I was there. It was a riot. Can you repeat that cast one more time? Just because- Gail Gordon, Virginia Mayo, and Kathleen <laughs> Freeman. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> I didn't know Gail Gordon did anything besides the Lucy show. Oh, no, he was did. He, he was Uncle Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. Yeah. No, that was fun. Benny Baker was fun. They were, he, yeah, he, he was great. He had done so many of all those old movies yeah. and yeah. Um, their history. You know, you learn from watching them. Some of them did too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, oh, my God, I'm on stage with these MGM movie yeah. stars. Legends. Yeah. Legends, yeah. and I mean they. It's the women come full makeup. You know, it was like, um, and they wouldn't wear their hair in the style. They had to wear their hair the way they wear their hair. Oh, interesting. It's like you know, Ann yeah. Miller. It was a great group. Really good group. Yeah. And um, when did So Long 174th Street come into all of this? That was in 1976. Six. I was doing the magic show. So I was there for almost a year. Wow. No, maybe maybe seven months. And then I got so long 174th Street. Um, and so I took that big hit. <laughs> <laughs> but that was... 16 performances? Yeah, 16, 16. Yeah. But Bobby Morse, another one who's just oh. so hilarious. Oh, great yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. And this was, what, what was the story of So Long 174th Street? It's just a little Carl plot. Reiner's um, Enter Laughing. It's yeah. about this young guy who wanted to be in theater, and he gets involved with, you know, a Meshuggah theater group. Mm-hmm. And George S. Irving, oh, oh. who, he, he could never keep a straight face. Every <laughs> night, Bobby Morris destroyed him. He absolutely destroyed him. Yes. Yeah, so... Unfortunately, it didn't last, but that was so much fun. What What do you think didn't work about it? Because 16 performances, it's... Well, it was in the wrong theater. We what? were at the Harkness, which was on Broadway in 63rd. Oh, that was the old um, NBC... No, it was a television studio, because oh. I used to go to see the Steve Allen show live. With, oh. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, my grandmother would take me to that and to see, you know... Um, the Today Show and, you know, we'd sit at yeah. Howdy Doody. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was so far out of the way. Um, I, it was good. Maybe Bobby was a little too old for the part. I don't know. Um, they just, it, it got, it didn't get all terrible reviews. Yeah. Um, but I do think it was in the wrong theater and they didn't sell any tickets. Tell us about the song Men. Oh, which is probably the song most known from the show, and you got to sing it. I got to sing it, and um, that was it. Was uh, it was just so much fun. So there's a story. To, did I tell you this? No. no. The ending, the ending of the song, ended very abruptly. It was men, da da da, men, 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 and I thought, well, this is really anticlimactic yeah. because this this is not working. So Luther Henderson, we're in Philadelphia, and Luther Henderson and Wally Harper and Bert Sheveloff um, were all in the theater, and once again, I said, 
can I say something? And, and, and now I had more experience, so I thought, okay, I, I can say something. I'm playing opposite Bobby Morse. And um, Rhapsody in Blue was always one of my favorite movies. And the opening clarinet solo, just, I just live for that, that solo, that, that run. Yep. So this takes place in the 30s, or is it? Yeah, I think mm -hmm. it's the 30s. And I said, you know, the way the song is written, and it's like, um, uh, um, it's like it's a saloon song, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, it's got all those blues things in it with the, you know, with the, the clarinets and the, and the orchestrations. I said, I, I think it should end like the opening of Rhapsody in Blue. Mm -hmm. And Luther and Wally went, well, what do you mean? And I said, I think it should go, man. <laughs> and they went, hmm. So Luther starts playing, and Wally's going like this. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I just got an ending to a song yeah. that could be really good. And we kept doing it. And finally, Bert Shevlov said, stop already. You're making me deaf. I can't stand it. Shut up. <laughs> okay, you can do it like that. And then opening night, it just tore the house yeah. apart. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then we closed. <laughs> I have to say, I love it when you say, can I say something? Because every time you say, can I say something, it, something, something brilliant comes out totally. of it. Ruby Keeler, the yeah. ending to this. This <laughs> yeah, is great. Exactly. It was just, and, and few and far between. But mm. when I really believed in something, when I really yeah. was thought that, this really could work. Mm -hmm. um, that's when I would say something. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Gut feeling, yeah. And then a year later, starting here. Oh, that's right. Now. Not even a year later. Uh, we closed and then we did, it was the old Manhattan Theater Club mm -hmm. or Stage mm -hmm. 73 mm -hmm. uh, in the fall. Richard called and he said, um, um, how would you like to you know, do, it's a review, and a lot of the songs are from How Do You Do I Love You, mm -hmm. and uh, I said, yeah, sure. And the original guy was Michael Tucci, uh -huh. who oh. went on to be in Greece and stuff, yeah. Yeah. and then uh, Marjorie Cohen, and so we, we did the first run at, at stage 73, and then Michael... I guess he was going into television or he was going to do the movie of Greece, maybe. Mm. So he was replaced by George Lee Andrews. Oh. And that was just like perfect. Yeah. And so we were at Barbara and, and I don't know how long we ran. Um, six months, maybe. Oh. I don't know. Maybe not that long. Uh, but then again, you know, no publicity. It's, and, and it was such a, a really good show. Yeah. Um, and there was this little kid on Sundays who would, he loved, his mother was one of the producers. Um, her name was Mary Jo Slater. And her son, who was like nine years old, who would love to get up on stage with us on Sundays, and George would do like a, you know, a joke with him. His name was Christian Slater. What a good career. And then he yeah. The, and he then he, he yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we can thank George Lee Andrews for teaching Christian how to tell a joke on stage. <laughs> thank you, George. If you're listening, thank you. Yeah, we're going to get George uh, on the podcast in a couple of oh weeks. Oh, my God. He so is hilarious. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He is hilarious. Crossword puzzle, <sighs> which once again is probably one of the better known mm-hmm. songs from the show. Show. Tell us about that. What, what did that come from originally? Or? Um, uh, I think it was from it was from another review. I think when they were at Yale, mm-hmm. I, I think okay. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But only one other person had sung it, and it was slight. It was slightly different. So I love laundry list songs, mm. and um, uh, I said, okay, fine. So. It, we just did it, and I. It was kind of like I always thought of my father because he never missed a cross Sunday Times crossword puzzle ever in mm. like sixty years. Oh, really? Never. He would do them in pen. Oh, one of the ink yeah. ones. Yeah. I can't smart. do one. Yeah. No. No. And here you think I'm like brilliant. I, I <laughs> never, never. So I know it became like a signature song, yeah. which was like really funny. Yeah. And then, you know, we took it all over. We went on tour. I, I heard a story. You performed the show in Florida and they wouldn't pay you. Is uh-huh. that right? We were at a dinner theater and I, I, I'm pretty sure it was run by like French mafia. And <laughs> in Florida. French, You're French in, mafia Florida, in Florida. In Florida. <laughs> they were pretty shady. And I was the deputy. So for three of us, and they weren't paying us, and we were supposed to get our checks. It was a Thursday, and they were just messing around and, like, saying, oh, you all love to work so much, you know, we don't have to pay you ever, you know, like that, oh, we will someday. Mm -hmm. And I, I, yeah, it was, and I said, if the checks are not in the lobby of our hotel at 6 o'clock, we're not doing the show tonight. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to be killed, (laughs) you know, and... They were there. Wow. But, wow. The, you know, I, I pulled it. The I just said, we're not going deputy. on. I'm a killer deputy. I, yeah, you were. Yeah, deputy of bad. I love being, yeah. Did, maybe this is hyperbole. Did I hear that you stood on stage and you, you told the audience, these people are not paying us? No. No. No, no, no. I didn't do, I don't think, No. I think George may have done maybe it. Maybe George. No, he did we'll it. Find out. No, we'll he did it in the lobby. Oh. He did it. He was so laid back. You know, George is the oldest hippie in the world. Yeah. And um, he was just saying, calm down, calm down. I said, no, they're messing with us. Mm-hmm. And the last night, he flipped. He'll tell you. He trashed his dressing room and went in the lobby and started yelling that, that we weren't being paid. <laughs> yeah, we did. Then, then we wound up in California. And I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. You know, for television. You had never been there before? I mean, you had never I'd, really uh, had no. done any auditioning or anything like that? Yeah. Only for 
the, the heartbreak of my life for the movie of Fiddler. Oh, wow. I got the part of Chava. I was cast as Chava. I was flown out, screen test, all the stagehands said, you got it, you got it. And this was a case of agent blowing it. It was I, I never, I, I got over it. You know when I got over it? When George, my younger son, in eighth grade, they were doing Fiddler. Yeah. And I was assisting the guy who was directing, Don Johansson. I had to teach the girl playing Hava the, the shadow dance. And I'd known her since she was like five, mm-hmm. Aunt Marissa. And I'm teaching her the dance, and I start, the tears start to come down. And she says, Mrs. Kennedy, why are you crying? And I said, oh, because this is a full circle for me. I can let go of this now. And it's such a beautiful experience, and you're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, ugh, I, I can watch the movie now, because I had to teach one of the kids a bottle dance. Mm-hmm. In fact, he is now in Jersey Boys. Uh, His name oh. is Rory Max Kaplan. Oh, my God. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And, um, yeah, he, I taught him. He was a really cute kid. Um, so you, then you, were, you went on tour then. And you I wound up in, I returned to L.A. Back, and I thought, all right, I'll try. Yeah. I'll try for um, um, television. Yeah. And then came um, nothing. It was like I couldn't get arrested. And then came the audition for Evita out there. Oh. And that was... Um, Bobby Vance, are you allowed to like use bad words on oh, your? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh okay. Um, when I got the part, he said, "I have never seen anybody whose life went from shit to gold in one day." Wow. Yeah. How long were you in, L- in wow. L.A.? Four years. Shit. Four years. Mm-hmm. Oh no, two. I moved there in '78, okay. and so like. For almost four years. In seventy nine, we I got the part. Was it a concerted effort to go after the film and television? Yeah, side yeah, said, sure. Oh, I'm hold off on the stage performing. For right, me. I would. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there was one. I remember a Gershwin review where everyone from New York, whoever was there, yeah. we were auditioning, and this girl, her father, she had just graduated from UCLA, and her father had given her a lot of money because she wanted to be a director, a producer, <laughs> and you know, we're all sitting there trying to get a job, and it's like. Uh, you're being really pretentious. So she had us lined up, and she came to each one and said, can you, um, oh, no, I went in and sang, and they did a few dance steps, and she said, well, is it possible for you to do a double turn, double pirouette? I said, I can do four if you want. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I let them have it. I said, you need to speak with respect to the people who are out there sitting on the floor. You know, we're veterans. You don't ask if we can do double pirouette. And they offered the show, and then at the same time, I got the audition for Evita Mm -hmm. and just went, oh. oh." Well, I met my husband. Made the really right choice. Yeah. He was the the mixer. Okay. Yeah. And he used to say to me, um, I thought, you know, I'm helping out. I'm singing full voice. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the Mm -hmm. old school. Projected. Projected. One day they changed the schedule and I had, they wouldn't let you do eight shows a week. They wouldn't let you do it. No, which made me crazy. I said, I'm trained to do eight shows a week. What is wrong with all of you? Wow. No, it, it, it messed up Elaine Page. It, she was recording an album, doing her act, and doing eight shows a week. Well, well she, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I said, I'm a dancer. Yeah. I did, give me the eight shows. Yeah. No, you can do six. So we're in a, 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 you know, in the run and. I had to do two on Sunday, and so I thought, well, I just better pace myself. Yeah. 
So I start, I do the first act. I'm kind of like holding back a little bit and Steve knocks on the door. He always comes to say hello and he comes in and he says, um, how do you feel about your first act today? And I went, oh my God, he caught me. I'm not, I'm not singing full out. Mm -hmm. I, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. He said, no, how do you feel about your first act? And I actually had a good time with that. Well, it was pretty cool. You know, it's yeah. like he, I said, well, I, I, I kind of liked it. He said, that's the best first act you've ever done. He said, do you see this? And he pointed to the microphone. This is called the 20th century. <laughs> he said, this is, this is here to help you. And if you continue to scream, I will put a compressor on you. <laughs> wow. I went, okay. And it was love. Oh, it was love. It was love. And then he came here to do Cats. Yeah. And I came to do Evita. Mm -hmm. He wanted to do one Broadway show, and he was going to go back to L.A. Yeah. That's where he was from? Yeah, oh, from Burbank. Mm -hmm. And he never went back. And now he's a Tony winner. Yeah, he is. That's awesome. Yeah, he is awesome. Self-taught. Really? Oh, yeah. He started sweeping floors at, at 16 and Sid and Marty Croft. Got his um, stagehands um, union card at 16 in L.A. He worked NBC. He did props in NBC. He did everything. And then a year later, um, I said to Steve, you know, we should try and have a baby. And he said, yeah, well, you're old, so we'll, we'll you know, let's try. And I went, oh, really? So I get pregnant, and the only, my only symptom was that I was dizzy. dizzy. Oh. Both times, Georgie and Jack. Oh. And, and not a great lover of heights to oh, start. Sure. So I'd get on the balcony, and I'd be going, oh, my God. Oh. And David Cryer would sing, put yourself in the sun. Put yourself in the sun. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the sun. <laughs> and then one night, I did the first act, and I thought, I will lose this baby if I go on that balcony. The stress of oh. uh, being, being afraid to faint. Not worth it. Um, I probably could have done it, uh, but I didn't. And so Nancy Opal finished the show, and that oh. was it. I just um, I made a choice, and and there he is. He was in the Broadway the theater. Right yeah, the right yeah. <laughs> um, They're both great. You know, doing such an emo emotionally exhausting show like Avita, were you guys able to have fun? <laughs> oh yeah. Back oh yeah. <laughs> Keep, it, keep the you, lightness. Who are you talking to, you know? <laughs> we were so bad. <laughs> I can't tell you. We were so terrible. They used to short sheet my deathbed sheets on the deathbed, which means French yeah. the sheets, so fold the sheet over so I couldn't straighten my legs when I got into the bed. It was just so hilarious. One time on the balcony, the microphones, it was a small turntable, and in the middle of the song, the, the turntable turned, and my back was to the audience, like I'm talking to the people, and they would run back. And one night, I don't know who pressed the button or what happened, some electrical thing, I start singing, and the thing starts mm -mm, turning. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And it stops in the back. And I didn't stop singing, and then it turned back. <laughs> And then it turned back again and went three quarters. And I'm still singing. And people are like peeing on the stage, yeah. you know. And, and, then, and then it turned back. And then it finally ended with the microphones over here. And I'm now having to do the speech. And it just, I thought, I can't do this without something in front of me. So I took what would normally be what, a thousand pounds of microphones and lifted them up and put them in front of me so that I had something to hold on to. 
That was it. They only cleared the stage. Mm. But the best Evita story was my clothes kept falling off mm. in Rainbow High. <laughs> Um, there was an a, a, um, understudy going on for the maid, and she was really nervous, really sweet girl. So I go, and she puts a skirt on, and I turn around, and I go, um, what's the first line? I came from the people or something. Mm-hmm. And I step, and the skirt falls off. Mm-hmm. And I, I am like, already the laughter is now here mm-hmm. in my throat. I said, oh, my God. So I step out. I do the first verse. I come back. Now... Now I should have a jacket. She puts the skirt on again and whispers, the hook is broken, or the zipper is broken, so hook it. I step down to the next verse, skirt falls off. It's like Dr. Cronkite, hang up the... (laughs) So now the conductor is, Larry Blank, is laughing his head off, and he's telling the musicians, and I'm like, please don't make me laugh, please don't make me laugh. (laughs) So now I do the go back for the third verse and I put the jacket on and I have a um, jacket and a slip nobody I I see them coming to the wings because they know something's going on and the laughter is here now right here and I'm thinking holocaust anything that just anything Rwanda anything to to make me not laugh Horror, horror stories I calm myself down I go back and now I'm supposed to get a oh Oh, so I'm two articles of clothing behind. So on the third round, I get the jacket. I'm supposed to have a hat with two hairpins, mm-hmm. and she holds up a mirror. I don't have that. I have a jacket. Now I have to go around in a semicircle to collect a brooch and gloves and purse. Nobody will look at me <laughs> because they are so hysterical. Nobody can look at me. So I collect, I'm doing, and I get to Janine, and she's supposed to hand me gloves, and I just put the gloves on. Not only does she hand me the gloves, she hands me a purse and holds up a mirror and gives me the hat with the two hairpins. I, don't, I got it on mm-hmm. for some reason. The last thing I'm supposed to get is, oh, and then she threw the skirt over my arm. <laughs> and, I, and then they threw the stole over my arm, and it looked like I had run out of someone's hotel room. And... I held it together until I got into the wings, and then Steve clicked in, and he said it sounded like a, a bunch of hyenas laughing. We couldn't stop la- I don't. Th- I think I laughed through the rest of the show. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That was, um, that was yeah, that's every night. Malfunction. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> we had so much fun. There wasn't a night where the guy playing Chase, Scott Holmes, mm. I mean, he also was one of the funniest... Um, Funniest yeah. person on the face of the earth, yeah. So, I mean, it was like a carousel. It was just a great, great experience. Was cats like that? Oh, yeah. Same, same oh, thing. my God. Oh, I mean, they did horrible things to me. <laughs> they put things in my purse that vibrated. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I won't say what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... <laughs> but it vibrated, so my, my purse would be going like this for Rainbow one. Tour. <laughs> That's... Oh, it was just a... We had such a great time. How did Cats come about? Uh, Cats, I got a call to come in. It was the third replacement. And I went in, and because um, I stayed home, because Georgie you? was, no. was going to be a year. Um, and so I thought, okay, you know, this would be, it's a Broadway show. It's not that much to do, and it would be a good place to, like, be a great place to get going again. Yeah. So had I done anything? 
Mm. Was diamonds? Diamonds. diamonds. Oh, yeah. I did diamonds after Jack. Jack was born. Yeah, diamonds. Um, that was the raunchy version of crossword puzzle. Baltimore uh, blows. Baltimore blows. In Cleveland, you suck. Your your dad's a friggin' fairy, and your mom drives a truck. Wow. What scratch? What itches your? Stop scratching your butt. What itches your brain? My landlord's going to sue me, and the neighbors complain. <laughs> <laughs> It's about a Hunter College graduate who, every time she looks out of her window, she starts very elegantly. Mm -hmm. She becomes a truck driver. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I want a, yeah, I want a, I want a recording of this. Oh, I, I think I, I have uh, I have the sheet music. Oh, I'll get you the sheet music. Uh, how long were you with Cats for? Three years. Three years as Grizabella. Three years as Grizabella. Oh, that was fun. Um, you know, easy except going up on that tire yeah, and you know i don't like heights no no and um did anything ever go wrong uh-huh oh. one night well one night um one of the electricians by accident spilled his coffee on the on the um the board oh yeah so oh. short-circuited oh. everything we're going up on the tire in the pitch black and then all of a sudden the house lights came on mm. then they went off then the then the carnival lights went on then they went off, but there was always Terrifying. one spotlight oh. on. Um, one great stagehand, Richie Evans. Oh. He, yeah, he used to, he looked like Buddy Hackett. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I, I remember he, we had a rehearsal with Jillian Lynn, mm -hmm. and they were. She changed my position, my the way I walked, and she said, "No, darling, it must it must look like you're making make a little farty," and. I said, huh? She said, no, you're too elegant. And I saw Grizabella as, an, as a faded ballerina. Mm. And she said, no, you must be hunched up, really hunched up. So I said, okay, all right, mm -hmm. fine. So that night I did it, walked the way she said, and Richie called me over at and she said, what are you doing? You look like you're walking like you got a rash. Always listen to the stagehands. Always. They, always they know. know. They always. know. They could produce shows. They know everything. <laughs> so, um, but one night, the, so the tire, we, I would have to step onto this cherry picker, yeah. which went up into the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And one night I stepped on, and then we separate, and I knew exactly how the timing was. Same in the magic show with being turned into a panther, mm. you know, being. Like you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. We're separating, and I see the tire's getting low. It's going, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm hanging in the air in the little cherry picker. And within maybe three seconds, I had resigned the, to myself that I was going to spend the rest of my life on that cherry picker, and it was okay. Right. And I could just sit there mm -hmm. yeah. because there was no way I was climbing down. Oh, no. No. And I actually got down on my knees because I started to get lightheaded. Mm -hmm. But I thought, okay, I could put a little stove over here. And I mean, these, <laughs> I'm not making this up. And then it went up. And he and forgot to press the button. Still perform, well, I was done. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, she's decorating the tire. The tire was decorating it. Oh, yeah. But my favorite was this one night right before I went up to heaven there was like a moment of silence and George he when he he used to come and sit on the sidelines did I tell you this oh, I told you before that we started um he would sit on the sidelines with my dresser uh you, you know on the stage yeah. seats mm -hmm. and he had these little banana curls and um he was like two or three and 
there was this moment of silence before the ascending music, and I hear, bye-bye, Mommy. <laughs> so cute. I just thought that was it. That's, that's so that's, There it is. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. There were, there were some other, um, but it was, it was fun. And then your third Andrew Lloyd Webber, Sunset Boulevard. Oh, that was really fun. That was only two weeks. That was oh, a gateway. You were a gateway. Yeah. Oh, oh, I loved that. Yeah. That I had the greatest Joe, Robert J. Townsend, mm. who lives in San Diego. He's yeah. major star out there. Yeah, he, he works. Yeah, there. works a lot out there. Okay, so I have the the quintessential Sunset Boulevard story. Lay it on us. <laughs> The line was, when I sing, when I speak, it's with my soul. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I thought it was when I speak, it's with my heart. I can play any part. But as I got to the word heart, I knew that was wrong Mm -hmm. and that it was soul. But I had already started the H sound. And I went, when I speak, it's with my whole. Little rewrite. That's okay. That was it. Oh, the stage manager said, "Did she just sing that?" And that was that was the uh, mantra for the rest of the run. But that mm. was a great one. They're mm. like the last of the great summer stock. Yeah, Gateway that Nogunquit. Yes, it's yeah. just it's so great, and you put it together, and everybody's a family really exactly. quickly. And it's too bad that they don't have enough of those so that you can be trained. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what's next for you? Actually, I'm going to um, Palm Springs, California in February to do a Drowsy Chaperone. Oh, wonderful. Um, It's a wonderful theater group. They're they're connected to the high schools, and these are after-school programs. So we combine Larry Rabin's playing the man in the chair. Oh, great. And um, I think the students take part, you know, so it's do, old yeah. people and, and yeah. students. Are you Mrs. Tottendale? No, no I'm the Mrs. chaperone. I was going to yeah. say. No, yeah. I'm the chaperone. Yeah. No, I, I already learned the song. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. And then for the next week and a half, um, I'll teach because mm-hmm. they have a program there for after school. Great. And then I think there's a an open, a free concert the night on the 27th of February 20 yeah 27th of February yeah and then in March I'm going to go to the Riley Center in Ocala Florida to do my act well it's called next to abnormal love it Um, and it's what I thought was normal growing up and you you know um all the political stuff that went on in the house and um all the people like my 13th birthday party with you know Dorothy Fields and Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon were there and we wound up, my piano teacher, who was the last of the cocktail pianists, we all played, that's, her idol was Liberace, yeah. so we all played like Liberace. Yeah. And all the girls in the San Schmaltz. Remo, Schmaltzy, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and Stride. Yeah. And I, he, Bob put, he put Gwen on a stool, put me on a stool, and he was directing us. And, I mean, I thought that was normal. Everybody yeah. did that. That's normal. Yeah, yeah that's, that's normal. normal. Yeah. You know, totally normal. Wow. So um, it's a lot of stuff like yeah. that. Thanks for being with My us. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. This was Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living <laughs> Legends. And today we were talking to the delightful Lonnie Ackerman. Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. Till next time. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.